Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to an explosive Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden. This is an important podcast. It might be the most important podcast that we do for this month. The information that I have been reading has been blowing my mind. I tried to write down everything that I could for this podcast, but my, my fingers were smoking. Like I was typing so fast, my mind was thinking so fast because I can see something that's happening in the West that parallels almost exactly with what we are seeing in China. For the last couple of years, I've been sharing with you what has been happening inside of China so that you could pray for China. And we at Back to Jerusalem have had the last couple of years to observe, adjust, and make do with what we have in our hands to uh, react to what we are seeing on the ground for China's digital control. But now, it's not just China. It's where you are living right now. Whether you are in America, whether you are in Europe, whether you are in Africa, I have information for you for this podcast that I think is going to blow your mind. It's going to be covering three different groups. And I I know, I know if I were listening, if I was in your shoes listening to this podcast, I'd be like, this sounds a little too conspiratorial. This sounds like a conspiracy theory. Trust me, this stuff you can look up. This is legit information. It's not hidden. It's not secret. I'm just trying to pull it together in one place so that it is easier to understand. One of the reasons why I can put it in one place is because I've had the exposure of living in China for the last 20 years. Not everybody that listens to this podcast have had that opportunity. Now, many of you that have been listening to me long enough, you already can predict what I'm going to say, but there are three ways that I can see control mechanisms coming down range that are going to be employed on you in the way that they have been used on the Chinese in the last couple of years. It involves Black Lives Matter, the Bill Gates Foundation, and credit unions. Black Lives Matter, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and credit unions. Now, if let me, let me start off by first kind of setting the stage for people that have not listened to this podcast before. This might be your first podcast. This might be a podcast that you are listening to. You've listened to a couple in the past, but you've never heard me talk about China's social scoring system. I'm not going to spend much time here because I don't want to bore our listeners who have already heard everything there is to hear about the Chinese social scoring system. I've been harping on it, right, for the last couple of years because it's a big deal. And we've seen a new twist just in the last week. If you go to our archives on our most recent articles that we put up on Back to Jerusalem, you'll see that we put out an article where the Chinese social scoring system had a new twist. It was using uh, anybody that had a low social score. They, and by the way, a, a social score is set up by the government to determine whether you are a trustworthy citizen or not in the eyes of the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. And that is determined by using a couple of different data points. Mainly, uh, the information is extracted from WeChat in your digital ID. Everybody in China, starting from this year, is required to have a digital ID. Not everybody does. How that's going to be enforced, I don't know. Things are a little bit complicated right now due to the COVID-19. But what we are seeing is that China is enforcing more and more everybody to have a digital ID. 
The digital ID goes, uh, corresponds with the online account that most people have called WeChat. WeChat is what I refer to as the world's first super app. This is an application that you have on your phone and it is used to, you know, pay everybody. It's used to, you know, it's, it's the same as having, and I've explained this many times. It's basically like having Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, PayPal, Amazon, Walmart.com, um, I'm trying to think of the taxi app right now. Uh, it's not coming to my mind, but the app, the Uber. See, I haven't used Uber for so long because I haven't traveled in so long because of COVID. But if you can imagine an app that has all of those apps that you have in your phone that combines them all. So on WeChat, you can do everything. You can message your friends. You can post pictures about your life. You can set up your thoughts or a blog. Um, you can pay for your air tickets. You can arrange for a movie theater. You can um, reserve a table at a diner. Uh, you can rate a restaurant. You can order food. You can pay for a taxi. Everything that you want to do, basically, you can do on WeChat. It's directly connected to a banking account. And so people can send you money like for your birthday or maybe they're buying goods from you. So if you walk outside and you're walking down the street and you see a neighbor has a uh, container of strawberries and you want to buy those strawberries, you just scan their account with your phone to their phone and bam, you can transfer money over for the strawberries that maybe they didn't want to sell, but you convinced them to sell. So you send them money to their WeChat account. It is an amazing uh, application that China put together right after Facebook was kicked out of China for not giving them the information that they wanted. Well, that has been used. WeChat and the activities that you have is being used to give you a social credit score. The social credit score tells the government how trustworthy you are as a citizen. If you don't pay your bills, your social credit score goes down. If you say things that the government doesn't like, your social credit score goes down. If you say things that the government does like, your social credit score goes up. If you pay your bills on time, your social credit score goes up. If you have a family and you are considered to be stable and you work for the government and, and you use your money in a responsible way, meaning that you don't spend it on drugs or video games, your credit score goes up. If you give blood, your credit score goes up. If you are a Christian, your credit score goes down. If you are friends with other people that are known as being Christians, your credit score goes down. If you've been arrested because you were hosting a house church in your home, your credit score goes down. If you have a low social credit score, you can be denied a passport. You can be denied from purchasing tickets on a bus, an airplane, a train. You can be denied from a spot for your child in a certain school. You can be denied a visa if you do have a passport from going to certain countries. You can be denied medical care, not directly, but indirectly by everybody else having a higher credit score. They get ahead of the line of you in a hospital and a line that never ends means that people keep coming in and everybody that comes in that has a higher score than you, which is basically everybody. If you have a low score, then you always go to the back of the line, never get seen by a doctor or treated. So this is a way to manipulate the thoughts of society. This is basically 1984. What we have seen now in China, just in this last week, is that when you go in to watch a movie, people with low social credit scores, their pictures can be shown on the screen prior to the movie. Uh, we did an article on this. You can go onto our website. You can see in the IMAX theater, uh, before the beginning of a well-known movie, a Marvel movie, uh, one that's known as the Avengers Endgame, which was released in China, several individuals with a low social credit score appeared on the screen. This is a common practice that's starting to be called the reel of shame. Pictures are also appearing on buildings. So let's say that you have a low social credit score and you're walking across the street in Times Square, New York City. Those big screens that you always see that's really famous, well, they have those all over in the big cities and those cities that are not very well known inside of China. While you're crossing the street, your picture can be, can be displayed on that screen to show everybody around you that you are an untrustworthy individual. 
You can also download an app onto your phone to make sure that you are not within any range of anybody with a low social credit score because you don't want to be friends with somebody that has a low social credit score. When you are friends with somebody that has a low social credit score, that brings down your score. When you are friends with somebody with a high social credit score, that brings up your score. Can you see how that can be addictive? People will strive to please the government by doing things that give them a high score, this can be extremely addictive and very controlling. We're seeing this all over China. If you go to an ATM or a large shopping center, you're not going to be able to withdraw cash in some cases. If you're traveling on a train or a bus or uh, you go into a large a sharp shopping center that has a big screen because on many of the buses in China, they have like these screens that are right in front of you when you're sitting on the bus. I take the bus a lot in China. And so sometimes they have these little screens that are sitting in front of you. Also, they have them in taxis. Those pictures can now pop up and let you know that there's somebody on this bus that has a low social credit score and you might want to stay away from them. Uh, in addition to that, we've seen that China's Communist Youth League came out with a music video of some of the top-rated pop stars. You you remember that song that came out? I think it was like the '80s or the '90s that had like every well-known star ever. It's like Michael Jackson, Madonna, and they came out and they're like, "We are the world." I won't sing it to you. I, I'll 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 save you the pain of trying to sing it. But it was it was called "We Are the World," and it was this you know we are the future or whatever. We are the ones that make a better day. So keep whatever. I can't, I can't remember. I remember, I mean, I, now I have that tune in my head, but the communist youth league did the exact same thing and made the same video. You can find that on YouTube. You can look it up and it's this social credit score endorsing video with all the top pop stars inside of China, uh, bring in, and they call it the integrity, Chengxin or creditworthiness. And they have this video on creditworthiness that promotes it. And one of the things that I've seen, and this is very dangerous, I feel, is that there are three groups. And though I've been talking about this in China, there are three groups now in the West, primarily America. So if you're listening to this podcast from America, listen up, take notes, because this is coming to a theater near you via Black Lives Matter, the Bill Gates Foundation, and credit unions. Now, okay, you might think, Eugene, you've, <laughs> you have officially gone into the zone of conspiracy theories. And I kind of feel that way. I feel a little bit dirty by sharing this because I feel like, you know, ah, this, this, this does feel conspiratorial, but I've been digging through this information and I'm like, guys, I gotta let you know about it. I think it's our responsibility as Christians that have been dealing with this inside of China for a while to at least let you know what you are looking at, what you are possibly facing. And it might be early enough to turn this around. There are people that are reacting already early, but is it early enough? First, Black Lives Matter. Now, I put up information about Black Lives Matter because they were burning Bibles uh, in Portland uh, a few days ago. And there have been so many Christians around the world that have been supporting Black Lives Matter. And there might be listeners listening to this podcast right now who's like, hey, I'm a supporter of Back to Jerusalem and I'm a supporter of, Back, of Black Lives Matter. And I believe that Black Lives Matter is has a just cause. And I stand behind that cause. The reason I bring up Black Lives Matter is because their tactics and their founder's vision lines up so closely with Mao Zedong in the 1940s in China. And what he brought with him brought death, destruction, mayhem, and misery. Death, destruction, mayhem, and misery. Let me tell you that I have been watching Black Lives Matter since 2016. I've been talking about Black Lives Matter since 2016. They have brought death, destruction, misery, and mayhem. And one of the main reasons is because they embrace communism. Now, I had a friend that was that's friends with me on Facebook. Uh, we've had a lot of supporters that probably have dropped us, 
probably no longer support back back to Jerusalem because they they believe that support or the, the what we have been saying about what we have been revealing about back Black Lives Matter as we understand it from a China communist perspective has not agreed with them. But if you know anything about our podcast, you'll know that if I see it, I'll share it. And if it crucifies me, if it slices me the wrong way, I'll still share it. My Facebook friend wrote 99 after seeing this Bible being burned. This is, take, keep in mind the time that I'm doing this podcast right now is August 4th. We are now day 65 of the protests in Portland, Oregon. Every single day has been death, destruction, fire, aggressive attacks, riots out the wazoo. People are like, oh, well, they're mainly peaceful. I heard Ben Shapiro on the Joe Rogan podcast say it this way. By calling the protesters mostly peaceful, it's like calling O.J. Simpson on the night that he murdered his wife and his her boyfriend uh, mostly peaceful on that night. You know, yeah, he did have a small amount of time where he was violent, but for the rest of the time, he was mostly peaceful. This is a made-up word that doesn't even make sense that the media has endorsed and they mimic each other as they share this idea of mostly peaceful. They're not mostly peaceful. Yet there are peaceful protests, but have you seen these protests? There have been more cities destroyed in America than more than any other time in American history except for the Civil War. Let me say that again. More American cities have been destroyed by Black Lives Matter protests than any other time in American history except for the Civil War. And so this friend, and she's a supporter of Back to Jerusalem, she wrote, I believe that her support comes from a very good place. This is why I love to engage in a friendly way people that honestly support Black Lives Matter because they believe that they're supporting those that are minorities that have been persecuted. And that is what we as Christians do. We as Christians, rush to the aid of our brothers and sisters and those that are not our brothers and sisters, those that are find themselves persecuted by society, that suffer injustice by society. As Christians, we need to be the first to rise up and speak out on their behalf. But she said this, 99% of the protesters are peaceful. And the protests have nothing to do with burning Bibles. Christianity teaches us to care for the marginalized. That's what the protests are about. Don't let news headlines confuse you. The extremists on both sides are destructive. No. No. The extremists on both... If you got an extremist Christian, an extremist Christian is somebody that loves you to death. An extremist Christian is someone that allows himself to be persecuted and even crucified. An extremist Christian is someone that loves beyond all reason and will give his life for or her life for yours. That's an extremist Christian. An extremist Marxist is what we see with Black Lives Matter. And they will take your life to put you in a state of fear so that you will agree with them in what they say. Saw the same thing with Mao Zedong. Mao Zedong raised up an army of union members and students. And he campaigned on a platform of unity. And he brought up injustices in the Chinese society that were spot on. He said that the Han Chinese have been persecuting the minority groups inside of China for far too long and the minority groups need to stand up and rise up together with the Han to take their rightful place and have equality. He was right and there were a lot of Christians that joined him on that. He said that women for far too long have been marginalized. They have been persecuted. They have suffered under a male patriarchy. And because of that, he was going to bring about a new revolution. And the symbolism that they used in Maoist China is the same symbolism that we're seeing right now in Black Lives Matter. The same agenda of tearing down capitalism, competition, structure, is the same thing that we saw with Mao Zedong. Did you see the, the area that was taken inside of, uh, uh, what was it called? The, um, it, was a, it was a little area of Portland that had been taken, and Chaz. 
this Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. The Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone was this area where the leaders of Black Lives Matter and Antifa could basically take over and do whatever they wanted. And within no time at all, you saw borders, freedom of speech out the window, freedom of religion out the window, evangelists, street pre preachers being attacked, persecuted, individuals that had to give up their phones and were not allowed to film. Uh, journalists were told that you cannot report about this or talk about this. If we find out that you showed us in a bad light, we will give you street justice, exact words, street justice. In, in a short amount of time, what you saw was this group that came together and ruled in a very similar way as the CCP inside of China. They took away the rights of those that they had power over. They began to segregate people according to race. You talk about taking away racism, they enforced racism. They gave people racial categories. They took away people's freedom of speech. They took away people's freedom of assembly. They took away people's freedom of the press. All the freedoms were out the window the exact same way as we have seen in China. I don't want to, I don't want to live there in that place today because what we are seeing with Black Lives Matter goes much, much different because if you believe that Black Lives Matter is something that Christians should get behind, I'm sorry. I cannot agree with you about that at all because I believe that Christianity absolutely teaches us to care for the marginalized, just as Mao Zedong said, just as Black Lives Matter says. It, it's what me and the missionaries from China that I serve with have devoted our lives to. We've devoted our lives to uh, working with those that have been marginalized, that are being oppressed, that are being forgotten by society. But you do not help the marginalized by supporting Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter was started by three women who are aggressively LGBTQ lesbians. They are LGBTQ advocates. They're open disciples of a cop killer by the name of Sada Shukaporo or something like that. I can't pronounce her name. Shukaporo? Something. Shukpro. You can look her up. Just put in cop killer New Jersey and she'll pop up. She now lives in Cuba. Uh, she basically uh, went out killing cops because she believed that they're, they're the enemy. She is the matriarch of Black Lives Matter. They, they, uh, they buy into her ideology. She now lives as a communist in Cuba. They are pro-Marxist. Uh, one of their founders, one of the ladies actually came out and said they're trained Marxists in an interview that she had done not too long ago. They're anti-Christian. That's why they do not promote Martin Luther King. They do not promote the civil rights movement of the 1960s because that primarily took place through religious leaders uh, that use their church as a platform. That's not the, the route that they're going. Black Lives Matter separates themselves from that because they are anti-religious, because they embrace the idea of atheism. They embrace the idea of aggressive LGBTQ agendas. And in that LGBTQ agenda, they also support removing fathers from homes. They don't believe in the traditional family structure. They believe that the traditional family structure was created by a male patriarch system, which is endorsed by the Bible and Western society. And so they war against it. And they're not more mostly peaceful. They, the fruit of their protests, okay? Just look at their fruit. The Bible tells us to look at the fruit. The fruit of their protest is violence, pain, loss, and death. 65 straight days of violence in Portland alone. We can look at New York. We can look at Atlanta. We can look at um, LA. We can look at Seattle. We can look at Chicago. Chicago's crime rates are homicide, crime up. Oh, I mean, their numbers are out, out the window. Crime is soaring. Racism is more rampant, not less. Black Lives Matter has gotten more influence, but racism has increased, hasn't decreased. This is their fruit. Homicide numbers have gone through the roof. Nothing good has come out of Black Lives Matter, and that's because good fruit cannot come out of rotten roots, and they are rotten to the core.
Black Lives Matter does not bring hope. They bring fear. They don't bring peace. They bring violence. They don't embrace equality. They create inequality. They use the exact same tactics of Mao Zedong. And as Christians, we can learn so much from our Chinese brothers and sisters what they have endured since the rise of communism. Guys, we don't have to experience this ourselves. We can learn from our Christian brothers and sisters in the Chinese underground house church how they went through the rise of communism in their own country. They didn't get equality. They didn't get justice. They, they got misery and a lot of it. They got death by the millions. 70 million people died under Mao Zedong alone. That is a round number. Crazy number. But here's what I want to share. This is the important part. This week, this information just came out. I just saw this. You might not have seen this because this is not being carried. This information I'm going to be sharing with you about Black Lives Matter, Bill Gates, and the credit unions and their social scoring as it relates to China is not in mainstream media. That's why I feel like I had to bring these three together and share it with you in as much. I know it doesn't feel compact, but this is about as compact as I get, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, right now, if you look at the news and just do a search on this, you can actually find the contract that was sent out. Black Lives Matter went into the streets of Louisville, Kentucky. They went into an area called New Lu, which is the New Louisville. The New Louisville or New Lu is a up and coming market area. All right. So Black Lives Matter has already destroyed their areas, the urban areas, the downtown areas. But then there are areas where you have more suburbanites. And in, in the suburban areas where they really haven't had that much influence, now they're going in and they're causing fear. And one of the ways that they did that is they handed out a letter. How this is legal, I have no clue. I read the letter. I was like, holy cow, this is from an episode of Sopranos. If you're not familiar with Sopranos, you shouldn't be familiar with If you are a Christian listening to this podcast, you should not be familiar with Sopranos. I am because I'm a horrible Christian. So... Sopranos is this mobster movie that's a series that is put on by HBO and these this mob group in New Jersey, uh, which is fictional but kind of based off of real experiences. They go around hustling local businesses and make them pay for protection. And then they basically squeeze those businesses out of money until finally they go bankrupt. And then they just move on to become parasites on other businesses. This is exactly the same tactics that Black Lives Matter is using. So they handed out these letters, right? And these letters had five demands. And if you didn't meet those demands, then there are five punishments, repercussions for non-compliance. That's exactly how it's spelled. Repercussions for non-compliance. So the five demands that they lay out reminds me so much of what we see inside of China. It's a contract. It is a contract that they want business owners to sign. And many of them have signed it and displayed it in their window to keep from their businesses being attacked. These are Gestapo methods being used by a, a hustling organization that is out there to cause fear into businesses so that they can milk them of every penny that they can get to support their efforts to bring down communism and bring about Marxism. So what they do is they write this. I therefore, this is, this, is in the, this is in the contract that they have to sign. So if you have to sign, this is a part of the five demands. I therefore commit to the following educational activities to guarantee that black representation is achieved and maintained in the new Lou business district, the new area of uh, Louisville. Attendance by myself and all my staff at an initial diversity, equity, and inclusion training and accountability reviews to ensure adherence to representation goals and the establishment of business and social equity. Let, did that sound a bit confusing? What I read may not have made a lot of sense. So let me break that down and make it into Eugene's speech for you so it's very simple to understand. What they're saying is that you have to attend our training. You and your workers have to attend our training seminars. And we're going to provide teachers 
dude, this is straight out of China re-education camps 101, where you have to attend the re-education where they come in with their propaganda and they reshape your thinking and they do it through fear. Now, I can tell you about re-education camps from the 1960s and 70s. I've written about them. If you ever read a book that I've written about the most well-known underground house church pastor in all of China, his name is Zhang Rongliang. I wrote a book about his life called I Stand With Christ. I refer to it often because it's a stinking awesome testimony. Not because I wrote it, but because he is who he is. And he shared about a uh, Satan's camp. If you go and read that book about Satan's camp where he goes through a re-education camp, it is a living hell and you're not supposed to make it out alive. What it is, is it is a re-education camp to bring you in, break you down, make you give up your beliefs and reshape them into the communist Marxist theory and thought. And what they do is they categorize everybody into race. They categorize everybody into class, working class, elite class, controlling class, Everybody is in their own sector and then they pit them against one another and then they re-educate you according to an atheistic worldview that is absent of God. If you, if you listen to a podcast and say, Eugene, how can you be against atheism? Aren't we, didn't Jesus teach us to not worry about governments? Absolutely. Guys, I don't care what kind of government system you are a part of. I, I really don't. That's why I love working in China. They don't care what kind of system their government is. They will praise God no matter what. But, but a government that endorses atheism is different than a government that enforces atheism. You see, Satan didn't come to create something new. He came to pervert something old. When Satan came to tend Jesus, he didn't come with him with new ideas. He came at him with old scripture twisted in his way. When Black Lives Matter, when the Communist Party, when Mao Zedong comes to Christians, they don't come to you with new breaking ideas. They promote Jesus. They love Jesus. They embrace Jesus. They show, listen, Jesus is, look, let me, let me just take a pause. This, I'm going to take a little rabbit trail here, but just stick with me, okay? I did an article today about a church in Shandong province that baptized 127 people on Sunday morning. That was very interesting because that was Sunday morning, August 2nd. The reason that's a big deal, because on this very same day, Sunday morning, August 2nd, there was a church that was raided in Jiangsu province. There was a church that was raided. So on one area, you had a church being raided, the pastor being arrested, taken into jail. And in another area, you have a pastor that is freely baptizing 127 people. How can that be? How can I share the same story about China that includes both things happening at the same time? Increased persecution, Crosses being torn down, congregations being threatened, congregations being forced into re-education, pastors being arrested, churches being raided, and at the same time, talk about a church that is baptizing new believers, 127 of them, freely, openly, with government's endorsement. This was an official church. How? Because this church in Shandong is special. It was planted by a lady by the name of Lottie Moon. Lottie Moon, for those of you that do not know, was a very famous Southern Baptist uh, female missionary who went to the field in China to serve in Shandong province in the 1800s, the late 1800s. What was interesting about this church that baptized 127 people is it was planted by Lottie Moon. Today it has about 4,000 members. It can only seat about 1,200 members, so they got more members than they can seat. It's a, it, the church is exploding. Now, China tries to keep control, but in that area, they let it, they, they let it go on. At, they're tolerating it, at least for now. We'll see about tomorrow. Because they respect Lottie Moon. She was a freaking warrior. This woman, she went to, she went to battle for the Chinese. Okay, she went, she went through Japanese occupation. She went through the Boxer Rebellion. She went through the Civil War that killed like several million people. She stayed with China during the good times and the bad, through the droughts, 
through the plagues, through the diseases, through the floods, through the wars, through the civil wars. She stayed with the Chinese. She preached the gospel. She planted churches and she brought in new believers. She was this little feisty woman that I think was like four foot two. When she died, she was a frail woman because she had given away everything that she owned. I think she weighed something like 50 pounds when she died. And so this church in Shandong, they still recognize her. Why do I bring her up? I bring her up because when she was going to Bible school in Virginia, she had a Bible teacher by the name of Mr. Toy, Professor Toy. And so Professor Toy and her had a romantic kind of uh, relationship. They had a romantic relationship. It didn't get physical because they were both hardcore believers, but it was they, they were attracted to one another. And according to the letters that were written by her, it was understood that uh, about 10 years after she left the field, she had planned to go back to America and marry Professor Toy. But Professor Toy, in the midst of things, became a, a, a Unitarian. He, he, he doubted, he began to doubt the authority of Scripture. He began to, uh, to doubt the, um, the authenticity of the authors and what they wrote. He no longer believed in the, the divinely inspired Word of God, but he believed that Jesus was a moral, good leader that should be followed. Lottie Moon had to make a very difficult decision. Before they got married, um, Professor Toy, as I understand it, became a professor at Harvard. And during that time, Harvard frowned on the idea of female missionaries. And there was it was illegal for the next 40 years uh, for a female professor. And so Lottie Moon realized this change in his theology and canceled the engagement. She gave up her earthly love and chance at love. She was never married from what I understand. She gave up her chance of earthly romance, earthly love, which I think is one of the best gifts ever given by God so that she could follow her first love and serve him in China and give her life in China. Served for over 40 years inside of China. The reason I bring that up is because Christians that think they're being revolutionary, that think that they're being unique by removing Jesus from Scripture, you're not new. Satan's been doing that since the beginning of time. The world is trying to convince the church to remove Christ from Scripture to separate Scripture from the personhood of Jesus Christ. Because once you do that, Christ can be whatever you make Him. And so the world, the Communist Party, Black Lives Matter, what they would like to do is create a loving, kind Jesus that embraces the cause of social Marxism so that we can get Christians on board. But the moment they get power, you, my friend are on the opposite side of the aisle and need to be changed. Christians supported Mao Zedong. Many Christians supported Mao Zedong. I talk about this in my evaluation of the Jesus family from Shandong province, the very same province that Lottie Moon served in. And the Jesus family was a group of Christians that gave everything they sold all of their belongings and they lived in a communal environment. And so the communists came along and said, listen, guys, we believe in a government system that is very much like what you set up. Didn't Jesus' disciples sell everything and live together? Dude, they were communists. You should join us. We believe that everybody is equal. Everybody deserves equal pay. Everybody deserves equal access to medical care. Everybody deserves equal treatment. Everybody is the same. They preach a message of equality that is absent of God's word. They preach a message of justice that is absent of God's word. They preach a message of mercy that is absent of God's word. And let me tell you a secret. 
in every single society that has ever existed in the history of mankind that is absent of God's word, you will find that is also absent of justice, absent of mercy, absent of compassion, absent of equality. You cannot have equality without Jesus Christ. And you cannot understand Jesus Christ without His Word. His Word might be offensive to you. But you have to allow those offenses to crucify your flesh so that you can grow closer to Him and Him to you. And it's not you who lives, but He who lives through you. That's something that the world does not understand, nor do they agree with, nor will they compromise with. The enemy uses God's Word to entice you as an angel of light that is sweet to the tongue, but bitter when swallowed. One of the things that I've seen when they bring in this letter, so Black Lives Matter brought in this letter and they want to run re-education camps. So you have to commit for you, your staff, that's what I just read to you. I'm going to read it again just really quick just so that you can hear it again in its, full, uh, in its fullness. It's a, it's a three-page letter. This is the part that has to do with re-education. It says, I therefore, this is what the business owner has to sign. It's a contract. It's a signed contract. I therefore commit to the following educational activities to guarantee that black representation is achieved and maintained in the Nulu Business District. Attendance by myself and all my staff at an initial diversity, equality, and inclusion training accountability, and inclusion training, sorry, accountability reviews to ensure adherence to representation goals and the establishment of business and social equity. Additionally, Additionally, I accept responsibility for the costs of the initial and quarterly training. Oh, isn't that nice? So you have to pay for the training for you and your staff. You have to pay for the Black Lives Matter representation to come and do the re-education. And then you have to display this. I'm going to read again directly. Display the attached written statement in a visible location within my business to increase awareness and show support for the reparations movement. So you have to take this contract as well as their propaganda and place it in your place of business so that it can be seen by everybody, whether that's on the front door, whether it's on a main wall, whether it's by your menu, whether it's by a place where people can see your services, or whether it's by your main logo. Somewhere it has to be visible. They also demand an initial level of representation of 23% for your business or the board membership in the Nulu Business Association. And the initial level of representation has to be achieved by August 17th, 2020, with an incremental increase of 5% in each six month period. Dude, they're coming for your business. They're gonna take over your business. When you sign this contract, they want to take over the board of your business. Now, if you do not do this, this is the part I want you to focus with, with me on. This is the important part. Now I'm kind of getting into the deep part where you've been listening to this podcast. If you've lasted this long, I want you to focus on this because what they say is that, so they give you five punishments. It's called repercussions of non-compliance. They give you five punishments if you do not sign this document and adhere to their five policies. So five punishments. I'm only going to focus on number one. Otherwise, if I go through the other four, it'll take all day long. I would love to. I don't know if you would want to listen. But I want to focus on number one because number one says you will get a reduction in the racial index score bias report to the Better Business Bureau. Did you hear that? Dude, this relates to exactly what I've been talking about with the social credit score inside of China. The social credit score inside of China is now coming to America. That instead of a social credit score and the one that you're used to, now you get a racial index score. Whether you are scored high or low with the influence of Black Lives Matter. You see this power? The power that they have to be able to get people that will then be influenced on your business. And do, do not think for a minute 
that this will not have an impact on your business. Do not think for a minute because this scoring system can discourage customers from buying your products or using your services. This scoring system can discourage city councils for approving your request for things like zoning. This scoring system can discourage banks from giving you loans. This scoring system can discourage social media from even hosting your page. If, if Black Lives Matter feels that you are such a detrimental enemy to the racial cause and they give you such a low score, they may say that you are racist to the tune of Hitler. So groups like Facebook Matter, or Facebook Matter, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram may not even carry you anymore, may not even allow you to have access or have an account on their page. That may discourage companies from hosting your website, as we just saw with American Frontline Doctors, where uh, SquarePage took down their website. They can also discourage credit cards like in groups like PayPal from accepting your payments. Black Lives Matter, like Mao Zedong, Mao Zedong went into businesses, they went into schools, they went into churches, and those that did not agree, they destroyed those businesses, they destroyed those schools, they destroyed those churches that did not support them. They ruled through fear. If you go and look at the cultural revolution and you see the students that rose up, those students were manipulated and used by Mao Zedong and they were on fire. They believed that they were fighting for a just cause. And their street justice was brutal. Same as we're seeing with Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, we're seeing people that are not adhering to the rules of their protest, driving cars into their protest. People are getting pulled out of their cars. I just, I saw a guy that had, he was mentally handicapped. Driving a car, got lost. I've heard so many people saying, I took a wrong turn. I ended up on the wrong street. I didn't mean to be in their protest. Their car being pounded on, destroyed. People being pulled, ripped out of their car, uh, physically abused. Satan doesn't destroy, he perverts. And he uses these tools to charge us up, to make us think that we are fighting for a just cause, but we're actually caught up in mob rule. Facebook's not alone, or uh, Black Lives Matter's not alone. Facebook is also using a trustworthy score. I've talked about this before. Facebook is also using a, a social credit scoring system. It's, it's a trustworthy score, just the same like when the CCP doesn't think that you're very trustworthy as a citizen, Facebook has the same system. Facebook has revealed that it rates its users on whether they're trustworthy or not. It's doing this every day. And they say that they did do this. They openly admit this. This was covered by the Washington Post. You can Google this. You can look this up. Put in Facebook trustworthy score. You'll find the articles. Uh, Washington Post was one of the most extensive articles that I actually read on the subject, but they confirmed it. Facebook is open about this. That they use this tool, this development tool, to rate people on whether they're trustworthy or not. This keeps them from having to evaluate every quote-unquote fake news story. And this is a part of their ongoing effort to stop disinformation, which I believe is a real effort to control information. You see, looking into every story that's reported as fake news, that's just, just too much work. So Facebook uses an algorithm where they give you a score based on your latest activity, you know, where you shop, who you vote for, what posts you make, what kind of social interactions you have, who you've been messaging. They take all of that and they give you a collective score. And if you have a low score, they scrutinize your posts to see if they need to block them or even block you as a user. How can you see your Facebook score? You can't. Facebook readily acknowledges that they have it, but no one can see it. Only Facebook knows. Okay, so you have Black Lives Matter, you have Facebook. Facebook, I kind of just threw in there. I didn't plan on talking about that one, but I wanted to throw that one in there. The next one I want to talk about is credit unions. Credit unions, you have CoreLogic and TransUnion right now. If you're not familiar with these guys, 
Uh, CoreLogic is pretty well known. It's a big multi-billion corporation, dollar corporation in Irvine, California. And they've developed this proprietary research for consumer credit. And so they have, they're able to evaluate consumer creditors and they can basically tell a landlord or a business if a renter or a customer is likely to pay on time, pay their bills on time, pay their rent on time. They can tell you and predict with pretty good accuracy whether the person is going to be a dependable worker, whether they're going to be a dependable customer, whether they're going to be a dependable renter. They can predict the kind of person that is willing to absorb a cost increase without much complaining. They can also tell you whether this is a person that will probably take advantage of you and skip out on paying you at all. And they are working together with TransUnion. If you're not familiar with them, I am because I bought a house in, in the U.S. This is one of the main companies that give you a credit score. And they collect and aggregate information on over a billion individual consumers in 30 different countries. And they have like 200 million files basically on every credit active consumer in the United States. And so they can tell you a credit score that creditors can use or other people can use on whether to give you a loan, whether to give you business, whether to engage with you in employment. So these two companies are coming together to create surveillance scoring. You can look this up. This is, so you have trustworthy scoring by Facebook, you have racial index scoring by Black Lives Matter, and now you have this, this surveillance scoring. And this is the product of two different trends. First, uh, you have the rampant, and this is the most unregulated collection of every intimate detail about your life that is collected every nanosecond from your smartphone to your car to your Bluetooth devices to your TV system to your navigation system inside your vehicle to your watch. Everything is kind of aggregated. Anything where information and data can be collected about your life is being put together. It's this fire hose of data where most of it is surrendered by you to the company voluntarily. Whenever you buy a printer, for instance, whenever you get a smart refrigerator, for instance, whenever you have a smart watch, you have to agree to certain terms, right? You have to agree to these terms and, uh, and uh, uh, contracts. Guess what? In there, you're allowing information about yourself to be used by the company. They say it's for the product, but they can use it. I mean, it's pretty generous for them. But what happens is that includes information about our demographics, our income, our facial characteristics and outlines and our bio data, this, like the sound of our voice, where we live, our ethnicity, our shopping history, our medical conditions, our genetic information, what we search for on the internet, what websites we like to visit, what emails we usually get, what apps we usually use, and how long we use those apps, how long we're on those websites, how often we go to sleep, how often we exercise, what kind of food we like to eat, what kind of people we're interested in romantically or platonic. Uh, in this way, all of this data is being used to form who we are by this group, uh, by these two groups that are putting together what's called surveillance scoring. And then these scores are put together that are used and they're concealed by us, from us. It is used to find out what kind of person we are and submit that information to employers or governments that might require them in the future. This information is being put together and then you are giving a score. This is very much like the social credit score, but here's where it gets a little bit tricky. This is where it gets a little bit scary. This is where I start to enter into a zone I'm not that comfortable with because of who it associates me with. I mean, you've been hearing about the 5G conspiracies forever, right? You've been hearing about, um, you know, George Soros and Bill Gates and all of these guys that are running these puppet strings in the background. And some of it I listen to and some of it I'm like, ah, I don't know. You're going a little bit far. Ah, you know, the Epstein Island. Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm listening, but some of it goes a little far. Some of it is like, dude, that is sick. That is gross. There's something there. 
And then there's some of it's like, I don't know. That sounds like you're giving them a little credit. This sounds like, you know, super, you know, skull and bones type of Masonic lodge, um, tinfoil hat type of operation, right? But when I started to look at this new biometric system that's coming out that scores people called the trust stamp. You might not have heard about this before, but trust me, you need to know about the trust stamp. You can, you can Google this. There's not a lot of information out there. You're not going to get a lot of information, but I can see this being a very powerful tool because here's the thing. COVID-19 right now is rampant everywhere, right? And what's the thing right now? Everybody's doing what? Listening to the government, doing what the government says for health, the safety of society. The government is looking out for the health of its citizens and they're making certain requirements, taking away many freedoms, making sure that you do certain things. If you want freedoms back for the health and safety of its citizens. So what we have is we have a pandemic where now in many countries, people are required to wear masks. And if they don't wear masks, they can't go out in public. They can't do business transactions. They can't participate in society or else they will be penalized for not having a mask. What happens when there's a virus that is really powerful, or maybe we even take COVID-19, which is pretty mild. Yeah. People have died, but it's relatively mild. I mean, it's got some saving factors to it, right? One of the saving factors is that kids don't get it. How much, how amazing is that? That we have a world pandemic that is bad. That's horrible. You got to watch out for mom and pops and grandmoms and grandpops. Make sure, you know, they are safe. And if you lose them, that's a tragedy. That's horrible. But there's something a little bit saving for us that children are not as susceptible to this disease. And in fact, for the most part, they're almost impervious to it. So think about a vaccine that comes out for this virus. How do you ensure that everybody gets this vaccine, especially if it becomes mandatory in a place that wants to end the pandemic? Well, trust stamp comes into play. This is a new biometric identity program partnered together with the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation. And it's funded this thing that's called G A V I it's a vaccine Alliance. So you have the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation, you have G A V I, which is this vaccine Alliance. And then you have mastercard, the payment system. So these three are developing a system that they call trust stamp where they're creating cashless societies where you cannot participate unless you have this trust stamp. And so MasterCard is, is creating this cashless payment system where it, you, where it's making life a lot easier, but you cannot participate in it unless you've had the vaccination and the vaccination will engage your MasterCard system. This system is similar to what we're seeing in China. It is operate. It's AI operated where they have machine learning technology called new data, where machines are learning people and algorithms and being able to react and, and create um, systems that facilitate the, in the, the enforcement of this system where you have, and I mean, it's biometric where they are able to identify faces, voices, walking patterns. Um, they're able to identify your account. They're able to cut you off from society unless you have this vaccine. So this vaccine basically, um, is mandatory. Once you have to be able to be in the system. So once you have the vaccine that is provided by the Bill Melinda Gates foundation together with Gavi G A V I this vaccine Alliance. So you have the Bill Melinda Gates foundation together with the vaccine Alliance and working together with MasterCard. And they're going to launch this in West Africa. 
It was actually uh, our, the, our main person running dingdash.com as, as kind of our coordinator. She's the main person that you will connect with, Lindsay, when you are working uh, on dingdash, communicating on dingdash. Lindsay is the main person that you might engage if you have any questions or comments or concerns. She sent this to me because her family is from West Africa. Her husband is from Nigeria. Her mother-in-law shared this with me. I had not seen this before where Bill Gates, a vaccine alliance, and MasterCard come together to restrict market engagement unless you've taken a vaccine. So these are four ways. I, just, I said three at the beginning, but I went ahead and threw in Facebook as well. These are four ways that we are seeing systems that are wanting to come into place that are very much like what we've seen inside of China with the credit scoring system, with the social credit scoring system. The social credit scoring system inside of China is something that we've had to deal with for the last couple of years. And it has prompted, this is very important, this podcast, do not walk away with fear from this podcast. Do not walk away with fear that this is going to bring about the Armageddon. Do, my purpose is not to bring about fear, but to bring about education. Guys, we have nothing to fear. Christ is coming back. The closer we get to the Armageddon, the closer we come to the return of Christ. And that is a joyous day for those of us that are in love with Christ and have given our lives to him should only be afraid if you have not decided to follow Christ. I'm not trying to scare you. So what can you do? I mean, you're living in America, you're living in Europe, you're living in Asia, you're living in Africa. What can I do? Step one, join us on DingDash. DingDash.com is a new way to engage with social media. It's, we are bringing in persecuted Christians from around the world, and we have a lot of hackers that are joining us and helping us to navigate these new waters of the future where we are seeing big corporations try to take away our digital freedoms and put us in a cage and only allow us freedoms if we play by their rules. But there is a way out. We can op operate outside of their system. We can out operate outside of their rules. How? Well, you can learn more by joining us on dingdash.com. It's a social media program where many people jump on. You see me uh, on there from time to time, and I share about our hackers conferences that we have once a year. If there's any hackers out there that are listening to this that want to come and join us on dingdash, join the rebellion, baby. We would love to have you. If you would like to come and join us at our hackers conference, we would love to have you. You can find out more about us, what we're doing, and how you can become engaged by joining us on DingDash. Right now, I use Facebook. Right now, I use Instagram. Barely use Instagram. If you follow me on Instagram, you won't find anything. I think I might have a Twitter account, but I, or I do. Sorry, I do have a Twitter account. I never post anything on Twitter. So if you want to follow me, I'm telling you, I'm using DingDash more and more and everybody else less and less. Get away from Google. Start using Tor, Tor browser. Look it up. I would highly recommend getting away from um, using Chrome browser, Safari browser. Um, I would highly recommend moving away from Gmail. I would highly recommend to start using more and more social media like DingDash. I would highly recommend that you get away from Zoom. I would highly recommend that you start looking at other ways to pay your bills besides online banking and using credit cards. What ways would I recommend for finances? I'm looking for that as well. And when I find information, I will be sharing it on DingDash. With all of our followers. We are looking for ways every day together with our hackers to navigate these shark waters of new age data control. This is a battlefield that is completely new. And we as the church have an obligation not to be reactive, but to be proactive. 
We as the church have more creativity. We as the church have more resources. We as the church have more of an ability to do more through data than has ever been done before. So we don't have to use the systems that are created by the world. We can create our own systems that are better than what the world has created. Christians lead the way. So join us on Ding Dash. Thank you so much for joining us back to Jerusalem podcast. I, th- I hope that it is a blessing for you. I hope that it doesn't bring you fear, but brings you joy of knowing that the day of our return of Jesus Christ is even closer. What we have been praying for. Have you been praying for the return of Christ? Well, this should show you that the end is getting near and our prayers are being answered. Thank you so much for downloading this Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden. God bless.